0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Self Made CEO podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Finch, and this is episode 54 all about rebranding. So yes, we are going to talk all about rebranding and I want you guys to know this will be an applicable episode to you in any situation that you could be in right now, whether it is creating a business and wanting to brand it or having products and services that you're selling or whether you just exist as a human on your own because everything in life requires branding of some sort, your business, your products, your services, projects even yourself, believe it or not. In this day and age, with social media and so many things happening online, we do create these online representations of ourselves. We essentially brand ourselves all the time, whether you're aware of it or not. So when you go into a job interview, you're pitching yourself, you're selling yourself. You are the product and you want the employer to buy you, right? So whatever it is, branding and rebranding and getting into the mindset of being open to change and taking risks both in your life or your business, will greatly benefit you. So today we're going to talk about what rebranding is and why it can be vital to your success, how to tell if you may need a rebrand yourself, how to overcome the fears that come with making major changes like this, and how it has saved many insanely successful companies such as Apple and Amazon and Google. And why are we talking about this even at all? Why? Why? Well, actually, I'll let you in on a little secret. Self-Made CEO is about to go through a bit of a rebrand itself. Now, before you freak out or, you know, go running and say, oh, I'm never listening to this again, um, I want you guys to know it's going to be the exact same content, the exact same podcast, same episode schedule. If anything, everything's just going to continue to get better and better and better. Um, but everything about the actual bulk of the content and what you guys are listening to will be the exact same. Um, and I'll explain in this episode what is changing and why. And I think it, it's going to be a really unique perspective. I love that I'm able to kind of teach you guys about rebranding and branding in general through kind of telling a story of why this is necessary for this podcast. And I love that you guys are able to come along this journey with me and actually see in real time the changes that decisions like this will make to my business and we can talk about it and we can be open and go back and forth and and analyze what has worked and what hasn't worked and I get to share that with you guys, so I love that. So without further ado, here's episode 54, stay tuned. Alright, homies. Hello, how you doing? I hope you're comfy. I hope you're having a good day, having a good time here in 2020 in some of the weirdest times we've ever seen, but that's okay. Um I'm so excited for this episode. I'm actually sitting on my floor in my bedroom right now because I just felt like it. I just felt like switching up my work environment and sitting on the ground. Actually, I'm kind of sitting on my legs and they're already getting tired, so I'm gonna stretch. Ooh, okay. Anyway. <laughs> Back to business so guys yes we are talking all about rebranding today and if you guys haven't listened yet to my episode number 47 which was called starting a side hustle why now is the right time Um, I just want to point you to that as a resource. I really dove step by step into how to actually start a side hustle or a project or a new business um, in that episode. And so, you know, maybe this episode talking about branding kind of inspires you like, hey, you know what, I kind of actually want to start something I want to. Um, you know, see what those steps were. Maybe you have started something, but you feel like it didn't go that well the first time. That episode has a lot of tips and tricks in um, on actually kind of starting your own business or project or side hustle. So I recommend checking that out. Uh, but in that episode, I also referenced this book called Story Brand a lot. And this book has been what has really shown me like how necessary branding is and not just branding because you know most things have branding but how necessary having actually a good branding strategy is um, and how necessary creating clear concise messaging for your business is and in reflecting on my own brand with self-made CEO I realized after reading that book that some of my messaging and branding doesn't quite align with what I want my Purpose to be with this, what I want my message to be. Um, and so I realized, you know, some of it doesn't align. And the way that could be more effective in getting people on board and to selling this, so to speak, my product could be more effective. So I really had to ask myself, like, what am I trying to accomplish with this show and this business? So I actually kind of read that book and then took a moment and paused and actually for weeks and weeks was thinking, oh my gosh. You know, I really need to actually break down what am I trying to accomplish with this? And then can I then do kind of a self audit and make sure that my current branding and title and everything really align with that? Um, And also, when you start a side project, sometimes it starts out with one vision and actually kind of naturally evolves into something you maybe didn't expect. And that's totally normal, too. Like, you know, my podcast, I would say at the start, I, I think, you know, it's pretty much stayed consistent with what I thought it would be. But it definitely took a bit of a turn that I didn't expect. I definitely expected there to be a lot more like business tactics, like actual business and finances and entrepreneurship versus like I feel like it's become a lot about mindset and the total whole self transformation like you are taking these tactics and applying them to your lives and it's more than just business it's more than just you know the logistics of running and operating a successful business it's actually majority is not about that Um, and I love the way that it's turned into this I love that it has naturally evolved this way so I just think it's important then to kind of have these reflection periods where you kind of look back at the last you know six months or a year and you you reevaluate. you say okay this is what this has turned into do I like this yes I do okay now does my branding align with this does my title make sense does the messaging I'm putting out there on social media or on the website or in my promo materials does it make sense for what I'm trying to do does it explain what I'm offering people and the results they're going to get and is it concise and clear right so that's kind of what I what I realized I needed to do and like I said, I, I did this reflecting and I realized that some of my messaging and branding didn't quite align with the purpose that I realized I had had for this or what I believed the purpose is. Um, yeah. And so basically, you know, like I said, I, I sat down, I asked myself, what am I trying to accomplish with this show and business every day? What is that impact that I'm trying to have? What is the result that I want people to get from listening? And how do I want you guys to feel when you listen and after you listen? And who am I helping you become as a person, right? Your whole self transformation. Who am I helping you become? And not just every single day, but also over the next five years, over the next 10 years. What am I trying to do? What is my purpose here? And from there, I had to then ask myself, okay, does my title and my logo and the way that I brand it and the colors and who I am and my voice on here, does it all fit with what that goal and that mission is? So this, this is work, right? Like this can take weeks and months to unpack. I've had so many calls with my mentor my business coach, my friends, my family, unpacking these things and starting to answer these questions. So this is not like an overnight thing. This is something that you, you know, may have to sit down and really, really think about, like, what is your purpose? Um, so, you know, that's taken a little bit of time, but what is so cool is, and what I've discovered through reflecting was that I had a lot of fear. Okay. Like my immediate thought when asked, I think someone just asked me randomly if I'd ever cha- want to change the title of self-made CEO. And at first it was just like, oh, heck no, no, absolutely not. Like, no, I didn't even think about it. Right. I was like, no, but then I realized exactly that. I hadn't even thought about why, like, why was that my reaction? Why no? I never even got that far as to think about why I wouldn't want to or whether I would want to. You know, it was just my knee-jerk reaction because self-made CEO was my baby. It was special to me, and I didn't want to change anything. I didn't want anything about it to be different. That's what I initially thought, without even thinking that was my knee-jerk reaction it was like, no, this is my this is my thing. I don't want it to change. Or so I thought, right? And you know, Then I thought about the story brand book and how important it is to get clear on what your product is and who it's targeting and what people are going to get out of it and how important it is to make sure that the name and the logo and the website and the marketing materials all follow suit. And that's when I really opened my mind to the idea and not even saying like, oh, yeah, I was going to, you know, I'm going to change it tomorrow. Um, at first, I was not even thinking that. I was just opening my mind to the possibility. Like I was no longer saying, heck no, absolutely not, not even thinking about it. I kind of opened my mind and, and decided I want what's best for my business. So if I do this reflecting and if I decide it actually does make sense to change the title or to change the you know logo or whatever, then I was open to that. Because at the end of the day, I want to create the most impact and you know have the most successful business possible so that I'm helping more people. And if that means making a change like that, then I decided I am willing to do that. So, you know, I realized a rebrand could actually be the best thing to happen to my show. It could be the best thing to happen to your guys' projects or businesses or brands. Um, You know, and like with this, I could maybe attract even more viewers and be even more clear about what the heck people are getting out of this. But anyway, more on that later, I'll I'll actually dive into it. And again, don't worry, like nothing crazy is changing, truly. It's like very subtle, but I will get more into that later. But I just, I want to back up a second, obviously, and talk about like what even is branding? What is rebranding? But I did just want to kind of preface that by like, that's how I have arrived here was like that process. I I read that book. I realized I should analyze my own stuff and I did and here I am. (laughs) So let's back up for a minute. First of all, what do I even mean when I say branding? What is branding? Now, when I think of branding and when I've always thought of branding, the first thing that pops into my head is like your logo, your name, your colors, your fonts, your buzzwords, like what you see, right? The look and feel of your brand, the actual aesthetic. So that's what I think of when I think of branding, like you know your packaging, But and, and that's correct. That is completely correct. All of those things are part of your physical branding. Um, But what I realized when I kind of dug deeper is that branding is a lot more than just that. Your brand is actually your promise to your customer. It tells your customer or your audience or your followers or whoever what they can expect from your products and services. And it differentiates your offering from that of your competitors, right? Right. So your brand is telling people exactly what they are getting, what it's gonna do to them, what they can expect, and how it's different from competitors. So as I even mentioned a little earlier, this is why it's so important that your title and your colors and your website and everything truly aligns with what your mission is, what your purpose with the brand is, because it's more than just the aesthetic, right? The brand is more than just how it looks. It's actually the whole story and mission of your product your business. And I found this quote, actually, that I loved that says, your brand is derived from who you are, who you want to be, and who people perceive you to be. And that's your brand, right? Whether it's you, your business, your project. So it can be actually a fun kind of exercise to start looking at businesses or products in the world and think about, like, what is their brand? What is their branding? What is their branding strategy, do we think? Are they the young, innovative, like, sleek product in their industry? Like, the new, you know, I think of, like, Uber and like Tesla as these like ooh like innovative new young companies Um, or are they the experienced reliable like trustworthy ones for example when I think of Neutrogena that skincare company I definitely think like classic trustworthy reliable they've been around for a really long time and I feel like their branding really gives off that vibe like that's the bar of soap that I remember my mom having in the shower when I was a little girl Right? Like it gives off that feeling of nostalgia, kind of to me. And it's actually funny. I've worked with Neutrogena before, I've done some consulting with them, and actually, that's exactly kind of what they believe their brand is, too, and the feeling and the story that they're trying to give off with their marketing materials and logos and, and everything. Um, and so I thought that was like really cool, actually, to see a real life example of how branding works. Like, oh, yeah, I, that is what I think of Neutrogena as. And it's it's cool too, because it's not like I just walked in a store and looked at a package and thought, wow, this packaging gives off classic and reliable vibes. Like, no, sometimes packaging can be like that. Like sometimes it really is as blunt as that. But with this, it was not like, oh, this is just tip of the tongue, like I see it right there. You know, makes sense. I realized that this was like this brand was building this up, building this messaging up and ingraining it in our brains over years and years and years. Like it's been that trustworthy one. It's it's kept up that consistent branding and and way of marketing, telling that kind of story. Um, so I just thought that was a really cool kind of real life example. Um, and like I said, kind of for a second when I was talking about Uber and Tesla, like sometimes it is a more blunt. You know way of coming out with messaging sometimes especially nowadays I feel like minimalism is like very in and popular and you know there's so much going on in the world all the time that I think the brands that stay the most simple are actually the most effective and successful because we only have so much bandwidth to take in information and we're seeing all this information all the time everywhere so if a brand is just like a very clean plain logo and just like to the point this is what it is I actually feel like that's uh pretty effective nowadays um And sometimes brands do that. They come right out with a clear, concise slogan or advertising, and it tells the whole story right then and there. And I think Apple is actually a great example of a company with very simple, minimal marketing. You know, you ever see those billboards with like just some beautiful photo on it, and it just says shot on iPhone or whatever. I think it says shot on iPhone. Like what a simple, clear, effective way to say, hey, our phones have really good cameras. (laughs) right? Like they could have put the specs and they could have tried to be all, you know, like high tech, like, oh, we have the newest, latest, greatest, this, that, the other, it's this sleek, meh. They could have, but instead they just showed it. They showed a beautiful picture and they just said shot on iPhone. Like that's explaining that whole story without, you know, overwhelming the person reading it and without uh, being hard to understand. And of course, Apple is an example of a company that has built a very recognizable brand name, you know, already is very successful, Um, you know, so they weren't always like that. But I want to I want to touch on the fact that like Apple got there for a reason and through consistent strategic branding over years and years and years, um, they have kind of developed what's called a strong brand equity. And what that means is this is the added value brought to your company's products or services that allows you to charge more for it you know then what is identical like you could charge more for yours than some identical unbranded products like you know how when you go to the store there's all the generic versions of everything and then there's the brand name version so if a brand has built up a really strong brand equity that that means they've increased the value of putting their name on a product you know oh we recognize the name Pepsi so if you put Pepsi on a product that's valuable. It then costs more, right? So I bring this up by just saying like, this is a company's goal is to have strong brand equity so that not only can they potentially charge more, but also so that it's just, it's a trustworthy, reliable, known like household name. Like that's the goal is that everyone hears the name and immediately knows what the company is, what they do, what they offer. And like, that it's a good product right you don't want to like I get emails all the time from companies that are just they send me like three paragraphs of text and I read the whole pair like the whole email and at the end I'm still so confused as to like what the company even does like they'll say oh we're this company and we've been featured here and we're wondering about working together and blah 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 and I've literally gotten so savage sometimes where I just respond and I'm like You didn't even tell me what the company is or what it does. (laughs) And it's like, how am I supposed to want to respond not even knowing what your company does? And I just feel like that's a comment. I'm not even trying to be, I'm not trying to be savage or mean or anything. It's just, you know, I'm observing those things to help myself and you guys be better than that. And I think there's just so much talk and fluff and fancy words and fancy websites and fancy business cards out there, but they're completely missing the point. Like, if it's confusing to the viewer or to the consumer what you're actually offering if they can't even find that on your website it doesn't matter how pretty your website is people are going to be very confused if you send this well-written amazing email and you're not even explaining what your company does but you're saying want to work together like no i don't even know what you do and i think i think a lot of companies and brands and even just person like individuals are completely missing the ball here you're putting the effort into some of the wrong things and like yes aesthetic and branding in terms of logos is very important and fun and you know we do want those to be good as well but if you're only focusing on having a fancy website and having a fancy business card and not actually focusing on like what's your offer what are you offering people and is it something that people need and then how do I actually clearly and concisely express this to my ideal customer like how do I just in the most simple way say here's my product here's what you'll get from it and here's how much it costs. And here's how to buy it, right? And again, I talked a lot about that kind of stuff in the episode about starting a business. But anyway, back to kind of the strong brand equity. So like, I'll just give you guys a couple, of, a couple of examples of things that you'll see in your day-to-day life. Like one obvious example of this is Coke versus some generic soda. Coca-Cola has obviously built this very powerful brand equity. It can charge more for its product. Customers will pay a higher price. And same with like any other version of a product. When you think of the product that moisturizes our lips when they're chapped, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you probably think of Chapstick, right? (laughs) Well, Chapstick is just the name of the company that makes those moisturizing lip products. There are tons of other brands out there and they're creating the same thing. But we have deemed Chapstick as being kind of that recognizable household name that like, oh, that is that lip moisturizing thing right like we now call even if Burt's Bees makes their version of a chapstick we still call it chapstick (laughs) same with Kleenex like Kleenex brand tissues they're tissues but a lot of people call them Kleenex like hey do you have Kleenex in your house like can you get me a Kleenex but that's just the name of the brand it's actually can you get me a tissue right but you recognize that name you trust that name So all in all, certain companies have had such consistent branding and and branding strategies that they've developed this really strong brand equity. But it's important to know that they all had to get there somehow, right? Like it didn't just happen overnight. A lot of these successful companies have actually had to go through rebrands and they might have saved their businesses. These rebrands oftentimes have saved their businesses. And it's so crazy. I'm going to give you guys some examples. It's so crazy to think about some of the huge successful companies that we know and love and use every day. And to think about the fact that they used to be called something completely different and weird, or they used to you know, do different things than they do now. It's all really interesting and fascinating, but it's all just proof that we, as humans who are creating businesses or selling products or branding ourselves, need to be open minded to that kind of change. We need to be able to take a risk and try something new um, in order to be successful, in order to be a disruptor in the industry or whatever it is. If you stay comfortable, you know, it's going to be harder to achieve that. And this is important to realize. So, I'm going to reiterate it one more time. Being willing to take risks in your life and in your business can open up so many opportunities. I'm always saying like the best change or the best progress, the most exciting progress always takes place not in your comfort zone. It takes place in the uncomfortable zone. When you when you reach out to that person, when you do that uncomfortable thing is when the most opportunity and growth and change can come about. And I'm sure you see this in your regular life, right? Like, we fear being rejected. We fear change sometimes. It's totally normal. Like, I'm terrified of change. I don't love change. And this is a normal human thing. Like, we fear this sometimes. It's nerve wracking to put yourself out there, for example. And, you know, if I were to ask someone super huge and busy and famous and rich to be a guest on my podcast, for example, like, that can be nerve wracking to put yourself out there and to say, hey, like, I think I'm worthy of having you on my podcast. But then if I did it and they said yes, like how happy would I be? I'd be freaking ecstatic. (laughs) And the point is that you wouldn't have had that chance. I wouldn't have had that chance if I didn't put myself out there to begin with, if I didn't kind of take that chance and, you know, potentially be uncomfortable for a second. It wouldn't have necessarily happened if I wasn't willing to do that. So the same can be said about being willing to change direction with your branding or with your business's services to adapt to changing times or to adapt to a changing target audience, etc. And sometimes it's those very changes and adaptations that will literally save your business or that will cause it to succeed in the first place. So let's talk a little bit about fun instances of this happening because I was flabbergasted when I realized that Amazon – the company amazon.com before it was called amazon was going to be called cadabra okay can you imagine oh yeah like oh i ordered it off cadabra first of all it's kind of hard to say but jeff bezos who started amazon named it cadabra incorporated but what happened actually after he named it was that one of his lawyers misheard it on the phone and said oh cadaver (laughs) and a cadaver if you didn't know is a dead body So Jeff was like, okay, he basically had two choices here, right? He could stick to the name that he loved and that he chose and that was special to him and ignore the fact that someone misheard it and just be like, no, it's cadaver. Sorry. I mean, sorry. Whoa. No, it's cadabra." Or he could take this having happened as valuable feedback and realize that in the long run, a business sounding like a dead body could potentially drastically impact the success of the company in a bad way right so he ended up choosing the latter thank goodness um, which was to listen to the valuable feedback and actually change the name and after many name ideas he decided on amazon i think before amazon it was going to be relentless so i went from from cadabra to relentless to amazon and you know obviously a name is so important but also not being afraid to change it like if you think it works and then something comes up and changing it you know that's scary but also Jeff in this moment knew that that was the right thing to do he was like I cannot have people thinking that my website sells dead bodies or whatever Um, (laughs) so he ended up choosing Amazon and now Jeff was a very customer centric businessman so he really was always wanting to cater to the people and serve the people because he knows that impact generates income if you're just chasing after the dollar you're not going to be as successful as if you're chasing after serving your customer because if you're serving your customer they want more they want to buy you make money you get it so he settled on the name Amazon because the Amazon River actually has the largest collection of flora and fauna in the world and so he equated this to oh I want Amazon incorporated amazon.com to represent the largest collection of retail items on the internet so he kind of made that connection between oh, I want this to represent the largest retail space so you know Amazon that word when I think of Amazon and I think of the Amazon River like the Amazon whatever it is rainforest oh I sound like an idiot now but you know what I mean when I before amazon.com became so popular and I thought of the word Amazon I do think of this vast expansive space um, with animals and trees and everything and so it kind of makes sense And then the other reason he wanted Amazon.com was because it would appear in the first pages of the internet directory, which we no longer, I think, have. (laughs) Um, But it would make it easier to attract users and customers because it started with A. And that was super important back in the day, obviously less so now. But I still just think this is such an interesting and like relevant example. And (laughs) other funny slash fun name changes of other businesses that I just think are so interesting are, uh, first of all, Instagram. Before Instagram was called Instagram, when it first was created, it was called bourbon. But like B-U-R-B-N. Can you imagine if Instagram was still called bourbon? (sighs) I cannot. But then again, if it was, like, would it have even become so successful? Maybe not. Or if it did become so successful, like, you know, maybe we wouldn't even think about it because we're like, oh, whatever, bourbon. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's just kind of hard to picture that. It's it's definitely funny. And then another example is Pepsi. used to be called Brad's Drink first of all, who's Brad? I just, I want to know. I'm dying to know who Brad is and why was that his drink? (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Another example is Yahoo used to be Jerry and David's Guide to the World Wide Web. That would have probably lasted about a year and then everyone would have been like, why the heck is it called the longest name on earth? (laughs) And then my personal favorite is Google. Google, before it was called Google, was called Backrub. Like, Okay, why? (laughs) But uh, anyway, it was changed to Google within a year. So thankfully, there wasn't too much time wasted there. They changed it right to Google. And now that is what we know and love, and what's become one of the most successful companies in the world. So we are going to take a quick break. But when we get back, we're going to talk about why some companies are not willing to make these changes. What happens in us? that makes us fear making these changes. And then how can we figure out if branding or rebranding is a good idea for us? So stay tuned, we'll be right back. And we are back, hello. So why do you think some people or some companies aren't like Jeff and aren't willing to change the name of their company or to change their branding once a business has already begun? Why do we think that is? Well, in my opinion, I mean, changing the name or logo or even mission of a business or project that is near and dear to your heart can be really hard. You know, it makes sense. It's hard to let go of what your vision once was um, or, you know, what you genuinely believed you wanted it to be or what you thought would work. It's hard to come to terms with the fact that it may not or it's hard to just let go of something that you were attached to which I think is why a lot of businesses and brands don't do it because it's it's hard. It's hard to let go of that. Changing the name of your company can sound super scary and super awful. Like maybe you've already built brand recognition and people know what it's called and you're worried you might lose some customers or some followers because they'll get confused or they might not like the change. They might not like the new name. It's kinda like every time social media platforms like change their layout or add a new feature, I feel like everyone just freaks out, me included. Like consumers are like, what, no, this is terrible. But then you ultimately get used to it and you realize, wait, this is actually way better than it was before. We just don't actually like the initial change. I'm super guilty of that. Every time Instagram or back in the day when I used Facebook, like every time they'd change it, I'd be like, oh, this is preposterous, I hate this. Like what are stories? Instagram stories are so stupid and weird. And now I'm like, I love stories. I post on them all the time, right? So really, we just sometimes don't initially like change. Um, But what you have to realize is that each of these changes has been really thought through, usually, by the business, by the company over a long period of time. So yes, we may have that initial reaction. And yes, some customers may drop at first. Like some of those people on Instagram may have seen the stories and said, nope, that's stupid. I've had it. I'm out, right? But obviously Instagram when they decided to make that change had already thought through like all right we may lose some people but we probably will gain a whole lot more people because this is going to be an exciting innovative feature that's going to allow for a lot more expressing and storytelling on our platform like long term this is a great move even if some people are frustrated and leave right now long term it's a great move. And so I think there's a reason why so many businesses go under or flop or just don't even succeed in the first place. There are so many different reasons for that, of course. But I do believe that sometimes it's this unwillingness to adapt with the times or to change things or add new features or change their name or take risks. I see this so often um, just in the world, and I also see this a bit with myself even – where there can be this fear that people are going to be confused and leave and no one will care anymore. But the reality is that's just not the truth. Like it shouldn't be that way. It doesn't. If someone likes what you are offering, a name change is not going to steer them away. They may wish it wasn't changed. They may not love the new name. But just like the Instagram and Facebook changes, it'll grow on them. They'll get used to it and they may actually realize, you know what, no, I actually really like it. <laughs> random. I feel like this also happens when a new song comes out sometimes. I'll be like, oh, I hate this song. This is terrible. Or just like, eh, not their best work. And then all of a sudden, like I listen to it like five more times and I'm like, wait a minute, this is actually really catchy. This is actually really good. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. And these are all just like things to notice where it's like, okay, if that's how I feel as a consumer, then I can put myself in my followers' shoes and think, all right, you know, it's not going to be the end of the world. Like maybe they won't love it at the beginning just because it's new and different. But then Ultimately, they'll get used to it and they'll hopefully like it. Um, so, yes, like you could lose some people initially, but a rebrand could ultimately gain way more people and traction and just be a lot more worth it in the long run. And I actually just had this conversation with one of my clients that I'm coaching. She's a personal trainer. And so she basically has slots throughout her day, like one-hour training sessions where she trains clients. So clients come over and she takes them through a whole workout and trains them, right? So... The reason that I am helping her now is because she wants to take that coaching business and put a lot of it online. Like, she wants to be able to scale her business, but because her personal training is time-oriented, she only has so many hours in the day, meaning there is a cap or a limit to how many clients she can train. So I'm coming in here, and I'm helping her to... Um, basically create some online programs so that she can also be helping more and more and more people without giving her one-on-one time all the time. Um, But anyway, in in a conversation that we had the other day, she was talking about how she's a little bit scared that some of her one-on-one clients who she's had for years and who, you know, are super loyal to her and like really rely on her help – she was really worried that they might be, like, angry that she's switching to online or, like, angry that she can't help them anymore in person and that she might lose some of them and that she felt really bad, right? And first of all, like, it's a really good instinct to feel for your customer. That That means that you care and you have a heart and you care that your your customers are getting benefit out of what you're giving. So that's super important and super, a super good quality. But what I told her is I said, listen, you know, you're going to have – some personal training clients who just don't want to do it online that's the reality there are going to be some who don't want that style they want it in person and that's what they liked and they just are not going to be willing to adapt to online and i told her that's going to happen you may lose some clients but by offering programs online you're going to be able to gain not only all those clients back like those numbers back you're going to gain new clients but you can gain way more than the amount of clients that you lost right like if she loses three personal training clients like she could gain thousands of online clients because she'll have the bandwidth with that business to do that so i just wanted to bring up this relevant example because it's like this is a very real and normal feeling to have being scared of losing your current clients, the people who are paying you now or your audience members being scared of losing them. And it's a totally valid fear. But what I told her to remember was just we're talking long term for her business right now. We are talking making her business be completely scalable that can last over years and years and provide her with passive income and allow her to help more and more and more people, which is her goal. She wants to help, right? So I said, you gotta just realize that in the long run it's going to be the best decision for you even if it means losing a couple clients along the way. So I thought that was a great example. All right, moving on to when is rebranding a good idea? And that'll wrap up this episode. When is rebranding a good idea? So here are a couple instances that um, would probably indicate that rebranding is a good idea. (laughs) So number one, if your brand doesn't really communicate what you do, right? So if your branding or, you know, your logo, if your title, your description, your website, if that doesn't successfully communicate what your business actually does, then that's a major problem. Like I was talking about earlier with the emails and being clear and concise about your messaging and what you're offering, it is so important. Like you don't want to be filling people's heads with a bunch of fluff and being confusing and not just getting to the point. So if your branding does not successfully explain or give off the idea of like what you actually do, then it's a problem. Your audience needs to easily see how you can benefit them. And if they don't, they'll walk by. They won't even look back. They'll just be like, "Mm, nope, I don't even have time for this, right? And you don't want that. You don't want that. Number two, um, you may need a rebranding if your brand isn't aligned with your actions. So if your actions as a company and your brand identity don't really match, like here's an example, Chipotle, their brand is built around like the thought of food with integrity. Like that's one of their slogans. And Chipotle for a while was serving GMO foods. So, you know, they're saying, hey, we are food with integrity, like, which implies like we're natural and we, you know, we're honest and transparent about what we're putting into our food and where our ingredients are coming from. And yet they're serving GMO. So it's like, their brand was not aligned with their actual actions. So the thing is, like, customers and prospects will notice that. And it's not good. And people trust things that can be relied on. If you are an inconsistent business and people are looking at it and saying, wait a minute, like, you're saying one thing but you're doing another, then you're not trustworthy. You can't be relied on and people aren't going to want to work with you or buy your product because they won't like it. They won't trust that, that what you're saying is the truth. So sending conflicting or mixed messages is a great way to drive people away drive customers and prospects away. So we don't want to do that. So you may need a rebrand if you realize your brand is not aligned with your actions. Number three, and this is one I think we see a lot with like major, major companies is you need to overcome a poor reputation. So oftentimes, you know, whether your business was involved in a political or environmental or, you know, social issue or scandal or, you know, whether even, whether it is or isn't the company's fault, like perhaps it was wrong and they actually didn't do anything wrong. Um, Regardless, obviously your reputation as a business really matters. And a time when you may be in for a rebrand is if you have developed a poor reputation or something happened and people are now associating your business or brand with something negative. And I want to emphasize that like rebranding is not just – you don't want to just, like, put a Band-Aid on it. And you also do not want to um, – you don't really want to change your name necessarily in this case because if you change your name, it seems sort of like an attempt to avoid taking ownership of your mistakes or to, you know, you're kind of like you're – not, you're not addressing the problem. You're just, like, putting a Band-Aid over it and just saying, like, oh, we have a new name now, so maybe people will just not remember that, like, it was that company that did that thing. Um, I'm pretty sure that cable company Time Warner uh, switched to spectrum because literally they just had the worst reputation on earth I used to have them in college it was awful and then they just like changed to spectrum and I think it was because they had such a bad reputation I don't quote me on that because that could be not true but Um, Yeah. So if you need to overcome a poor reputation, uh, people recommend that you create more of like a new public face to represent the future of your business. So it could include a new logo, a new website. Your new new brand could just, or your yeah, your new branding could have the appearance that it'll serve as like a better, more improved company that does not have that issue anymore. You address it, and then you kind of have a revamp, and all of a sudden you're different. There's a different look. Um, but again, you're not changing the name because that just looks like you're not trying to take responsibility for your actions and we don't want that. I'm sure none of you probably have to worry about this one right now, but you never know. The fourth reason is that you're focused on the wrong audience. I also see this a lot. Businesses occasionally find that their audience isn't who they thought it would be. Um, and that's okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Like they just may find that they attracted people that they didn't expect to attract or, or that maybe their audience is, um, evolving over time. Like, let's say you catered to kids and then 15 years have have gone by and now your business is no longer catering to kids because those same people are still following your business. So maybe you're adapting and aging up with the kids who are now in their 20s. Maybe you're changing what you're doing and the way you're branding yourself um, to fit your audience. But number, you know, the number one thing is like, it is so important to cater to who your audience is with your branding, with your messaging, with your products, with your services. So yeah, those are kind of reasons why a rebrand could be necessary. Now, to avoid making this episode a thousand years long, I'm going to be saving the bulk of my kind of rebrand explanation for um, probably next week or the week after because I'm actually going to be changing a couple things with my podcast, but I want to give you guys like a very big heads up on that. Um, so I'll actually get into the details of what I'm changing and why. But overall, I was just reflecting a lot on what this podcast is and what the meaning of it is and what I'm doing with it. And I realized that the CEO part of it, part of the title, is can be a little bit misleading when people are looking for my podcast on podcast platforms. Um, what I've noticed through market research and surveys and feedback is that even though I think that name is so, so cute, Self-Made CEO... Um, and I love it. And I, it was the first thing I thought of that really rolled off the tongue. I just loved it. It sounded badass and official and, you know, cool. Uh, I love that. But what I've realized through kind of my market research is that when people stumble across my podcast, they sometimes think that it's only going to be about um, becoming a self-made literal CEO in the sense of like, oh, I'm interviewing like the Kylie Jenners of the world, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the people who, self-made like who made themselves into CEOs of major major successful companies and the reality is that's it's not that's not what this is I do interview CEOs I do interview co-founders and people who work at both startups and big industry companies um, but that's not the entire point point. and I'm not just talking about you know a self-made CEO like here's your story you rose up on your own and you created this big business that's not what it is Um, And I don't want to be giving off the impression that it is. And what that can do is if someone sees my podcast and thinks it's that and then clicks on it and it's not, they may not like the podcast and and go away because it wasn't what they expected. Some people, I think, have clicked on it even thinking that that's what it was going to be and then ended up liking it and stuck around. And, like, that's awesome. But the truth is that that doesn't happen every time. Like, I should have a name that really explains properly what I'm doing and isn't confusing because like I was talking about earlier it's really important to just make sure your audience knows what to expect. So that was one thing that's really important to me was like okay, I may need to change the CEO part of the title and be self-made something else and create maybe a tagline that more properly explains what uh what the show is giving. So That's all I'm going to say on that right now because I am going to go into full depth next week and talk about my actual rebrand and what it's going to be called, what it entails, and then I'll actually like show you guys everything. So this will be a slow rollout. And again, don't don't fret, don't worry. There's going to be nothing crazy different about any part of this besides just the logo and the title. And the title is not even going to be drastically different, but I will wait till next week to tell you guys what it is. And all I ask is just hopefully for you know your support you may not love the title you might also have felt very attracted to self made ceo and you're used to it and trust me same like this is why you know it's hard to do things like this but in the spirit of creating a long lasting successful business sometimes things like this are necessary and i hope that we can learn and grow from this together and i hope you know that maybe this inspires some of you to consider this for your own your own project if you need that right going back to the drawing board and saying Does my branding really express who I am, what I do, what the customer is getting or not, right? So anyway, I am going to shush my face now. Thank you guys so much for sticking around. This is Probably one of my favorite episodes ever, just because it's such a real thing that I'm going through right now, and I'm so excited to take you guys along, kind of through that and during that. So thank you so much for being here for listening to today's episode. I also just want to update you guys that I'm going to be have having self-made master classes, so webinars, live webinars that are available uh, to register for. And I know I've talked about this before, and I had one, and then there was some technical difficulties, so I had to wait for the company that hosts the webinars to get back to me blah 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 doesn't matter point being go follow my Instagram at the self-made CEO for the update I should be having one happening next week so I will announce the date and the topic of that over on Instagram thank you for your patience with that and then I'm also going to be doing some giveaways where some of these uh, workshops which I'm going to charge like some money for each workshop not a lot but just uh, you'll there will be a small fee I'm going to be doing a giveaway where if you guys leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, then you are entered into a chance to win every single week I'm going to be giving people um, free entry into these workshops so go ahead and do that leave a five-star rating leave a review um, I would so, so greatly appreciate it. It helps everything I'm doing over here and you will be able to have the opportunity to win a free entrance into the workshops. So that is all for today. Thank you guys so much again for being here. I love you all. I hope you have an incredible week and I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.